This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here we go. NBA Morning Deuce. It begins. First ever episode. Newest daily NBA podcast in the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I'm Joey Levin. I'm your host. I'm going to be joined every day by my boy and my co-host, Alex Ruane. We're going to be here for you five days a week by 6 a.m., breaking down everything from the day and the night before in the association. Alex, you're going to be here with me five days a week. How pumped are you for this? What's going on, dude? What's up, man? I'm extremely excited. How incredible is it that we've got a game at 1.30 and then just basketball the rest of the day? It's like the NCAA tournament. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, I before the bubble started, I was talking to a writer I used to work with, and he said to me, here's what I know about the bubble. They're going to go, and that's it. All bets are off after that. And I felt the same way. I was like, this is not going to work. This is going to fail. Not only did the NBA say, hold my damn beer, <laughs> yeah. but they made a sick court that looks like they're playing in a video game. And the games have been awesome, and they have been the the shining example of how to deal with a pandemic and still have sports. I mean, it's yeah. it's been incredible, and the hat tip has to go to hit to Adam Silver, the players. It's just been it's been unbelievable. I can't even I I wouldn't have imagined it in a million years. I've been impressed, honestly. The uh, the digital fans or the whatever you want to call it grew on me. I did not like it at first, and then. Uh... At first, yeah. Well, the crowd noise bugged me at first. The fans, mm-hmm. they were cutting to the fans too much. I liked it like the other day in the Grizzlies game. Tony Allen and, and Zebo were in the were in the virtual fans for the Grizzlies. Oh, I that that. That's that was cool. awesome. I love it. Zebo's the man. Uh, Tony Allen, I guess, is cool. I don't know him. Uh, but that, that's fun. But there was a couple broadcasts where the crowd noise was just way too loud. And also for like unnecessary points in the game. Like, uh, like down... A team down, the home team's down by 15, and they make a free throw in the third quarter, and it's like, ah! Um, but they, they fixed it. It's great. I mean, it, there's, nothing, there's nothing to complain about so far in the bowl. So like I said, what we're going to do here is we're going to recap everything that went on the night and the day before in the association. 30, 40 minutes, we're going to get you in and out. We're going we're gonna to give you some analysis. We're going to give you some of our takes on what's going on in the league. Um, Monday episodes might be a little longer. They might be probably closer to the 40 minute mark. Cause of course we have three days to recap. And so that's where we're going to get started here. We're going to get started with this past weekend, which of course was the play in game between the Blazers and the Grizzlies. And right off the bat, play in games should be here for, 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 for life. I mean, that really? was, I mean, oh my God. Yes. Both conferences, I think play in okay. games, it makes everything, I mean, when was the last time you cared about a Blazers-Grizzlies game ever? It just, that, I mean, probably when I worked for the Grizzlies. That's the so last you, time I cared. 
I've got to assume you would include the rule that this, the nine seeds got to be within four games to, to force that, right? Yeah, I mean, they can figure out exactly how they do it. I just think having the play-in situation mm-hmm. just I helped. Yeah. It was so fun just watching yeah. the battle to get into the playoff. The, the play-in game, obviously, was the with the Suns. But the game itself, you know, the Grizzlies looked better off i mean it's probably because we'll get into that because the blazers defense is terrible but the the grizzlies looked legit i mean they they were right there that and the fact that if they would have won they had to play again on sunday it would have been cool to get mm-hmm. that one one game it would have been like a real tournament feel Absolutely. For, with a knockout game um but like i said the blazers won 126 122 dame did what dame's been doing he had 31 uh, the mellow dagger gotta love skinny mellow Right, have to. Skinny Mello. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been great for them. Uh, Nurk, obviously we 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 everyone saw it. He put out the tweet that his grandma passed away from COVID a few hours before the game. We found out about that, and then he just goes out and he had twenty two points and twenty one rebounds. The Blazers are in now, so now they they play the Lakers. Uh, what, what was your immediate takeaways when you watched that game? When you saw the Blazers, what was your reaction to them? surviving and getting in i think my my number one takeaway is just how locked in dame is right now um and just looking at the box score the thing that jumped out the most to me is the eight turnovers by john morant i mean he put up 35 you can't really knock him but that was a uh, a pretty classic example of you know a young player on a huge stage and he did what he did but uh the eight turnovers killed them and uh i thought i thought the the Blazers look really good offensively, but again, their defense, it's just brutal. It's just really bad. Yeah, I think that the thing that sticks out to me is, look, Dame is going to get, Dame gets all is getting the attention he deserves for the performance he had in the bubble. I'm not taking anything away from the output that he had, but the thing that is jarring to me about this team is how bad they are or were before Yusuf Nurkic came back. I mean... He changed this team. Dame's playing great. Don't get me wrong. But they're You're talking offensively, right? Because I just, was actually going to say Nurkic looked really bad defensively. Well, yesterday. It it depends. I mean, he he's not known as a great defender, but he's active. He he averaged two blocks and a steal and a half a game in the bubble. You know, they were one of the worst teams. They were 29th in the league in the regular season pre-bubble in steals per game. They were eighth in the bubble. They averaged two more steals a game in the bubble, and he had a steal and a half a game. So their defensive rating was essentially equal, but forcing more turnovers, getting more fast break points. He was a part of that. He was super active on the defensive end. He he was he was the difference maker for them. He also averaged four assists a game. They it just the, this team. It seems they were not very good before the bubble they weren't in they were the ninth they were ninth you know they had to play their way in credit Mm -hmm. goes to them for for doing it dame obviously a big part of that but their defense was still awful nurkic changed things for them it just sort of shows me they have no chance i i actually thought that maybe they could i I had a thought that they could maybe steal a game or two from the lakers i think they're gonna get swept I think that's a sweep as well. And again, I, I'm actually really surprised to hear how high you are on Nurkic right now. I mean, offensively, it's fantastic. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he can't be on the court in this Lakers series with Anthony Davis. I mean, it's 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 a gigantic Then who's on the mismatch. court? Then who's on the court? 
I'm not going to defend no, Hassan no, Whiteside. No, he stinks. <laughs> he's he's a he's a loser, and he I'm stinks. I'm just saying. I'm pointing to that as a reason. I think this is a sweep. I, I don't think it's. I don't think they get a game. Well, here's well, if they're going to win, they're going to have to outscore the Lakers. I mean, I don't think anybody you put on the court for the Blazers is going to make a difference defensively against Anthony Davis or anybody on the Lakers. They have the worst. De- they have one of the worst defenses in the league, Agreed. and they yeah, had one of the worst defenses in the bubble, but. They also had one of the worst defenses in the league before the bubble, and they were 29 and 37. They went 7 and 2 in the bubble. The only difference is Nurkic was back and he balled out. He played great. So I, I guess part, what I'm saying is I, I just don't, I don't know what happens with this team. Like, I think they're going to get swept. Um, and then what? I, it just, there's not much there. I, there's just there isn't. I, it's crazy to me how different this team became in that people thought they would be even close to what they were last year. I mean, they lost Mo Harkless, Alfaru Camino, Evan Turner, Ennis Cantor, Myers Leonard, and Seth Curry. That team went to the Western Conference Finals. There was no Warriors. The Warriors got broken up, and they gutted that roster. And now they're barely making it into the playoffs. And you know who's going to and you know what my fear is, you know who's going to be the guy who suffers from this? Say it. Terry Stotts. Yeah. He's going to get fired and it sucks because he's a good I think coach. He's a good coach. I really do, yeah. He's a good coach and he's probably going to I I don't obviously wish that for anybody, but th- that's just how this works, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I the, mean he's sitting on a pretty great defense in terms of look, look at the list of guys I just lost and I mean dep- if they can steal a game or two against the Lakers, I think his case is huge. I don't think they're going to do that. But he can always point to guys like Zach Collins and I mean, Hazonia, he's whatever, and Gary Trent Jr. making a continuing to get a lot better, you know, and maybe they have a semblance of a, a solid bench next year. I mean, that, that's what he can point to. I well, I say. think that was the idea that the front office probably went into the season saying, look, you know, those guys are Aminu and Turner and Cantor and those guys are good, but we know what they are. They're, you know, they're scrappy vets who are journeymen who are only going to get us so far. We need to go younger. So they went out and got some young pieces that they thought they could maybe build with. And then that didn't work. So they went and got Mello and Trevor Ariza and not having Ariza and also Rodney Hood obviously kills these guys just from depth def- mm-hmm. defensively. Obviously not having Ariza is huge. But the fact that they did made all those moves and then they had to go get Trevor Ariza and Carmelo Anthony to sort of salvage their season. Right. Um, not a good look for them. And Stotts is going to be... The, and it's, Look, I kind of went through something like this. I, I We kind of went through something like this when I was in Charlotte the first year we had Steve Clifford. That year, they hired Cliff, brought in Al Jefferson, brought in a bunch of vets, Marvin Williams, Anthony Tolliver... Uh, Josh McRoberts, guys who Cliff was great at coaching, put them in the right position, made the playoffs for the first time, for uh, first or second time in franchise history, whatever it was. But then in the offseason, they made the decision like, hey, look, these vets are only going to get us so far. We're going to be in this so-called wheel of mediocrity or treadmill of mediocrity where you're just basically spinning your wheels to get to the eight seed and lose in the first round. We need to go younger. Uh, And they went younger. And... They just weren't very good going forward, and then Cliff ended up getting fired. And I, f- I fear that that's what's going to happen to Terry Stotts. So I, I feel like we're going to see the Blazers lose 
go uh, 0 and 8 in their last eight playoff games, going back to last year in the Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. when they got swept by the Warriors. But hey, it was a good run, Dame. You played great. Uh, John Morant said that he was playing the last four games in the bubble with a broken thumb. Which, really? Yeah, which is okay. I mean, you can play with a broken thumb. I just, it's weird to me. Like, you know what? At first, I was like, why did CJ McCollum come out now and tell everyone that he's playing with a broken back? But now I'm like, you know what? This is how, that's what a man does. A man comes out during the games and says, I'm playing with a broken back. He doesn't wait till he got, till he loses and gets eliminated and then says, I played with a broken thumb. Like, who cares? So you, th- you think the man jumps out ahead of time and says, I'm injured. So the man just gets out ahead of it. Yeah. yeah. The man okay. just gets out ahead of it so. because, look, then if he doesn't play well, you're like, oh, well, guy's got a broken, guy's got a, a broken back. Or if he plays like CJ has been playing, you're like, holy shit. This guy's playing with a broken back. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> I'm, like, if I'm, how about if I'm John Morant, I let someone else, you know, let that slip that uh, he had a broken thumb. You know? Yeah, like let let a uh, Tyler uh, T- Taylor Jenkins when let them ask about John Taylor. I call oh, man, that guy's a warrior. He played with a broken right. thumb, and then he looks like a man. Where he's yeah, like, I didn't even say it. I didn't even yeah, tell anybody. Yeah, exactly. But um, but I mean, that just kind of also shows. How good Jaws going to be? Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see where his career goes. Um, 35 points in biggest game of his life. Really impressive. You know, that was only a second 30-point game this year. Really? Yeah. That surprises me. Yeah, it's shocking. Again, he had a triple-double the other day. That was only a second triple-double of the year. 35, it's the only time he goes for 35. I guess it also just shows how well-rounded of a player he is, is that he is the consensus, no-question rookie of the year, but he hasn't been going off... You know, he's had a bunch of, you know, he averaged like 17, 18 a game, had a, a bunch of really nice scoring games, but none of these like crazy 30, 35, 40 point games, not a ton of like insane statistical outputs across the board, but just been so good and so solid all year and leading this team that you're like, there's no one else. Right. There was yeah, Kendrick Nunn for a little bit in the beginning of the year, but that went away quick. Right. No, he locked this thing down by probably earlier than midseason. Never I mean, uh, the only other thing was people were like, if Zion had 10 more games or 15 more games, he would have gotten it just because his... I think uh, there would have been a, a better a discussion. Yeah, maybe. yeah. The other thing that happened this weekend in terms of the bubble was uh, probably the most... I mean, I know you find this to be the most important thing that happened in the entire bubble was the bubble awards. Um, and Dame got it. Dame got MVP. Uh I was pushing hard for Devin Booker. I think he deserved it. But uh, they gave it to Dame. Monty Williams got coach of the bubble. Uh, first team was Dame Lillard, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, James Harden, TJ Warren. Second team was Giannis Kawhi, Chris Stapps Porzingis, Karis LeVert, and Michael Porter Jr., which was, which is pretty cool. Um, pretty cool. Do, are, do they get some hardware? Like, Is this like an actual thing in... Like I don't know. The history, I don't know. It just doesn't do much for me. I mean, to, this has always been an extension of the regular season. I mean, we don't need to hand out awards for the last 10 games of every regular season, but I get it. It's cool. Um, Michael Porter Jr. and Karis LeVert. I mean, that's pretty cool. They get some some accolades for the second team thing. And I'm with you. Devin Booker had a case for it. Um, but to me, Lillard was just he was that good. And uh, as good as Booker was, Lillard, I, I do think, deserved it. Yeah, all I'll say is, yeah, I think the Suns should have just got every, any award they could have gotten, they should have just gotten it just to 
just because everyone was yeah, so sad and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, happy for Monty Williams that everyone you know is because this was on such a national stage. They get to see what he's able to do as a head coach. I mm-hmm. I was worried when he got hired that he would fall into the same trap of a solid veteran coach who goes to coach a young team and doesn't win many games and gets fired because they just didn't give him time. Um, right. But they, that's they, a great point. This is a nice little you know thing on his shelf now i mean it's not like he was in at risk of losing his job but no I mean, but i was you know but the sons suck they always suck yeah, so it was right. my cons- i was worried that you know he would just go and be a placeholder and then they would go get somebody else to mm-hmm. develop these young guys which never happens there but it looks like they're developing at least they'll be solid they're never gonna be great but they're solid um and then the other thing i'll say about the bubble awards is here's what i love about it they no positions in the first and second team. It's just the five best players. Love that. That Keep if they that. wanted to adopt that across the league, that that's fine with me. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that's that the playing games and no positions on first and second team. Keep them. I mean, let's let's do it. I'm with that. Yeah. Those are both great things that the league implemented. Why ha- Why do we need two guards, two forwards in the center? There's there's no position anymore. We don't need it. Yeah. Right. So. Let's look ahead to uh, tonight's games. Playoffs, baby. We're this doing afternoon's it. afternoon's games, my man. Right. I keep saying, I'm so used to saying tonight. I'm yeah. so used to saying, to, I'm, I think I'm just always going to say tonight. That's fine. Um, but yeah, starting at 1.30. Uh, so let's go through this. We'll, we'll make some picks. We'll talk about what we think about these series in general, since the series are just starting. Uh, we, we're only going to talk about t- today's games and these series, and we will, tomorrow on tomorrow's show, we'll... We'll get into tomorrow's games and series. So we'll start with the Jazz versus the Nuggets. The Nuggets, at the time of recording, are a minus four and a half favorite. Uh, they played in the bubble. The Jazz took the Nuggets to overtime. Donovan Mitchell had 35 points. Michael Porter Jr. had 23. Jokic had 30, 11, and 7. Nuggets are still without Will Barton and Gary Harris. And then the news broke yesterday that Mike Conley left the bubble for the birth, mm-hmm. of, the birth of his son, so he's now going to miss at least the first two games of the series. Some I saw some people saying they think he could probably miss the first three games of the series. Uh, Ed Davis, not that he was a huge factor for them, but just from a depth uh, perspective, he's out for the first round now too. Um, I already thought the Jazz or the Nuggets had a good chance to sweep or go 4-1 now without Mike Conley I don't even think it's a series at all yeah it, it, it kind of sucks um I mean nobody's blaming Mike Conley for leaving the bubble um for the birth of his son but uh I, I'm with you that I, I think the odds are really stacked against the Jazz now um if Donovan Mitchell does something really really special um then I think this could be an extremely exciting series uh, but I think that's their only chance at this point is for Donovan Mitchell to take over those first two games. And then, hey, maybe maybe um, Mike Conley does come back for game three and we've got a series. But Yeah, I just I haven't been a fan of the Jazz this year. I, I think they were, in, interestingly, I think before the season, when they got uh, Bogdanovich and Mike Conley, they became one of the most criminally overrated teams I think I've ever seen. I, I saw people putting them like third behind really? the Lakers and people the Clippers preseason. Love Donovan Mitchell, they really do. I think. Well, like, apparently I'm they love Mike high. Conley. Yeah, because th- when the Conley thing happened, 
everyone was all over it. And now it's just like, Ricky Rubio is not Mike Conley, but Ricky Rubio is a solid point guard. Mm -hmm. And he played really well for the Jazz, and he played really well for Phoenix this year, too. Uh, Mike's old, and Mike's not a championship point guard. No, I love Mike. So you're just saying that, I mean, you... You're just saying Mike Conley shouldn't have been enough for people to get really excited for this team because it's not that big of a step up. Is that what you're yeah. Saying? I mean, yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. And and Bogdanovich, too. Like, he's good. He was yeah, really he good. Yeah. But, again, that's a guy who had a great opportunity last year when Oladipo went down, and he took advantage of it and had great nut scoring numbers. But, like, that's those are not two guys that are pushing you over the top in the Western Conference. What? I agree, yeah. Um so yeah, not having Bogdanovich in the bubble killed them. But uh, now not having Conley, Denver, even without Will Barton and Gary Harris, who they're gonna probably should be back, I would think, at some point in this series. The way Michael Porter Jr. is playing, I mean, if he keeps playing like this, he, he's got to have minutes. Yeah, he's playing really well. Well, yeah, he he was starting at the end of the bubble, and he's he's playing great. I, I look. I, he, this is not the year for them, but this is what they needed. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the guy that this team needed to get over the hump. So if he keeps playing like this, next couple of years, this is this might be the team to watch in the, in the West. That's what I was going to try to get out of you. With, is Jokic a player that can win a title in his career? Not as, I don't think, as your franchise player. Not as, like, your number one option. I think I'm with you there. I'm really high on Jokic, but I yeah, I just don't see him as the guy that is going to will his team to a title. Um, but we'll see. I mean, not this year for sure. But yes, if Michael Porter takes a gigantic step forward, I just think this I, really I just think it's hard because as good as he is and as many things as he can do, the guy like if you want the guy who leads you to a title has to be the guy who can have the ball in his hands at the end of a game. And I just don't think you want that. I don't, I just don't think you want Jokic to be that guy permanently. Um, but a guy like Michael Porter Jr. who could get his shot off at any point on, at any place on the floor that you want that guy. I mean, that that's the guy. Um, he's ridiculous. He, what is he listed at? 6'10"? Something yeah, that. something like that. He plays like he, like, just the way he moves. He moves like a 6'5 guy. And yeah. he, and he's not always super blows athletic. my mind when I see his his height because he just moves so effortlessly. Yeah. No, I, I didn't expect him to be this good this quickly. I know a lot of people thought if he was healthy, he could have been, like, number one pick type, which mm-hmm. he has the skill. I just, I didn't see him being this effective as a scorer this early. We'll see how it works in the playoffs, but I'm I have Nuggets covering four and a half. I I mean I think they could win by ten in this game. I think they're going to come out and just pound the Jazz to make an early statement. I'm with you there. They want. I mean I again, this is crazy without the home court advantage. Um, I mean th- this would be a home ge- if this was a home a true home game for the Nuggets. I'm with you. I'm I would hammer four and a half for the Nuggets, but uh, I think it could be a close game. I really do. Uh, coming off that game, we have the Nets and the Raptors, who are, the Raptors are nine and a half point favorites. Um, that's a big number. I, I don't love it. Brooklyn, they're not, I mean, they're rolling out a bunch of G-leaguers and mm-hmm. Karis LeVert right now and Jared Allen. Uh, 
they won the last time they played, but in that game, Spencer Dinwiddie played, DeAndre Jordan played, Torian Prince played. The Raptors won the season series. Um, I don't think I. Again, this could pro- very easily be a sweep, but I don't. Th- I do think the Nets cover nine and yeah, a half. I, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think that Brooklyn has a little bit of momentum coming off that that Blazer that last Blazers game where they barely lost and Levert went off. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to play tough, especially it's a bunch of young guys who are trying to get deals and still play in the league next year. So I think they'll keep it close in this one. I could see the second game being a complete blowout. Absolutely. And I, I just don't like spreads this big with a team that shoots as many threes as the Nets and the pace they play at. You know, I mean, if they get super hot, nine and a half, I mean, the, the Raptors could win easily and, you know, but by eight because the Nets get hot in the fourth quarter, something like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm just not touching plus nine and a half for the Nets. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think maybe they steal a game. I don't know. But the Raptors are really deep and really good. And I think a lot of people have them as a sleeper team to come out of the East. I don't know if that's happening. It's, it's possible. Um, but definitely going to just put it on the Nets. By the end of this series, the Nets are not going to want to be in Orlando anymore. Um, this next one, I'm going to let you give your thoughts first on this next one. Sixers, Celtics, minus five and a half. They haven't played each other in the bubble. Um Talk about your boys. Yeah. Yeah, th- this is tough. Um, because I hate the Celtics, and I fully acknowledge that they are just a better team than the Sixers right now. To me, this whole series is Embiid. This is Embiid series. If his ankle is less than 90%, this isn't really a series in my mind. Celtics win 4-1, 4-2, something like that. That being said, I think Embiid is the type of player that, can win a series by himself. Um, and I want to, I want to say that's what happens here, but no, no, I don't think so. I think the Celtics handle them in seven games with a healthy Embiid. If Embiid's gimpy on that ankle, it's, it's four, one, four, two, maybe even a sweep. I hate that. I'm not as high on the Sixers team uh, as I was at the beginning of the year, but the pieces just don't really fit. It's so frustrating. Yeah. I think I, I like four, two, in this series, but I a four. If this makes any sense, a four two that looks like a four zero. As in the Sixers don't really look great the whole way through. Yeah, like they play hard, they steal a game or two, um, but you you know that ultimately the Celtics are winning this series. Um, I I again, and I want you to react to the notion: Can Embiid win this series by himself? No. Are you even willing to say he's the best player on the court in this series? No. Yeah. You think Jason Tatum? Yes. I just, but I'm, I'm, you know how I am. I'm so partial to wing players. Yeah, you I love mean, the wing players. Uh, and and he, I get where, and it's it's close, I guess. But I just, you know, I, I'm, I, I just don't think the way that the league is now. It's hard for me to say like a big man who shoots so poorly from the outside is going to dominate and and now here's where here, here's where it's interesting with them since february 24th which is when ben simmons first you know his first long stretch of being out with injuries they've been they have the best three point percentage in the nba they also have the best offensive rating in the nba in that time 
Shocker, huh? Um, huh. Would you look at that? So, now Embiid still only shot 23% from three in that time. But, maybe there's something there. They, there that, is something there. I really do think there's something there. Because you can't play an NBA offense with Ben Simmons on the floor. I, well, um, we're going to get it at some point in this pod. <laughs> don't get me too far. Yeah, at, at some point in this pod, we're going to get deep into that. I, I, I couldn't disagree more. Um but also in that stretch, they've been 26 in the league defensively. So they've gotten way worse without him on the floor, but offensively they've gotten better. I don't think it's because Ben Simmons isn't good. I just think it's because they're not good together. The spacing has totally changed without Simmons out there. Now you don't have two complete non-shooters out there at all times. Um, but, you know, maybe often that's where they're going to probably catch a game or two is that offensively they're, their output has been great. It was it was really good in the bubble. It's been great since Ben Simmons. Without Ben Simmons on the floor, their output's just been really good offensively, and they're shooting Here's the ball another, really well. So they can they you. can steal they can steal a game or two. There's another big story uh, a storyline here that we haven't touched on, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. Al Horford, I mean, he's been horrible. He just doesn't fit. But everyone says playoff Al. He's playing against the Celtics. How much of him knowing what the Celtics try to do will help the Sixers? Is that a thing or no. is that no. you don't think so? Do you think Horford's a factor in the series? He he's gonna have to be. Yeah. They need he's, everybody that anybody that can be a factor, they need to be a factor. Just been bad. But he really has been. But I mean, part of the problem with Horford is just they're playing well offensively. The issue is defensively. And defensively, mm-hmm. Horford's not really doing a whole lot for you against the Celtics because the issue with the Celtics is not post players. So who's 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 Horford? I mean, Horford can protect well, the rim, but rim he's protectors. not. Yeah, that's what I but see. Is he? How much is he protecting the rim when he's on the floor with Embiid? Um, it. I don't, I don't know. I don't. That's probably part of why they're not great defensively. Is them two again also don't mesh super well defensively because they do a lot of the same things. Um, but yeah, he's going to have to be a factor. He's going to have to shoot the ball well. I mean, they need him to knock down jumpers mm-hmm. and stretch the floor for Embiid when he's out there. But uh, yeah, I think they can shoot their way into some of these games because they've been shooting the ball really well. But mm-hmm. two games at the most. I think they cover here, though, five and a half. I think it's going to be a close. The first game is going to be a close game. Um, I think yeah, they all. Okay. Could, I think they could all be close. Relatively yeah, I close. Um, I think uh, they'll all be close, and then I think there'll be a few where the Celtics just pull away in the end, and it'll look worse than it was. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's uh, so I'm going Sixers to cover. You have Sixers covering that one. At five and a half, yeah, I would take the Sixers. I don't love it, but I'd take it. All right, and the last game of the day is Mavs Clippers. Uh, they played in the bubble once. The Mavs lost. Uh, 126-111, and Montrez Harold did not play. He's expected. He's probable, I think. He's expected to play against Dallas in the first round and, and in this game today. Uh, in that game, in the bubble, Luka had 29, and, and Porzingis had 30. Uh, but th- they're just not deep enough to compete. with. And unfortunately, it, it sucks that this is their matchup in the first round because mm-hmm. I really want to see Dallas win games and potentially go deep. But uh, they they just don't have it. I'm I'm picking the Clippers to cover six points here in this first game. I it's just it really crushed them to not when Dwight Powell got hurt and not having Jalen Brunson in the bubble. They just have no depth. Um, 
they have to be clicking on all cylinders for 48 minutes to even have a chance to beat the Clippers. I, I agree with you. I think I'm going to take Dallas plus six. I don't think they win, but I'm going to take Dallas plus six. And I'm just really excited to see Luca and Porzingis on this stage. Um, just because I think Luca is, oh man, I, I, I think he's the future. I really, I think this team, if they add another really good piece is a team that's, that's one of the best in the West next year. Totally. Mainly because Luka Doncic is is that good. Totally. So, they're they're not far away from being super competitive. However, mm-hmm. last time they played, Luka had 29 and Porzingis had 30 and they lost by 15. I, and that's, I, that's the bench, right? I mean, it's just the bench. Is I just, just don't think they have enough power. They don't have enough firepower depth uh, to, to just to compete with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. I think they'll get a game because of when you have two guys that are that good, one of them can probably carry you to a game or two. Mm-hmm. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see the Clippers win four one four zero. But I would say Clippers four one or four two in this series. I think they're going to cover, um, and I think they're going to obviously Western Conference Finals. So I don't think anyone's beating them until they get there. But I just—it's unfortunate because yeah, Luca and Porzingis together are super exciting. I just don't think they have enough. Yeah, I'm with you. Are you tracking these picks, by the way? It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, who we does better throughout the, the playoffs. Yeah, we we uh, we both we both took the nu- the Nuggets to cover. We both took the Nets to cover. Uh, we both took the Sixers to cover. I took yep. the Clippers to cover, and you took the Mavs. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's real quickly. Let's go through. We both have a FanDuel lineup for tonight. Let's 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 just give our picks or who we have in our lineups real quick. Um. We don't have to explain too much, but let's just get into it real quick. Here's mine. I got Shake Milton, hoping for him to, you know, knock off some of this bad shooting, get back into it. He's one of my low money picks. I got Kemba. I'm leaning heavy into this Sixers Celtics. Me too. I, I went with Milton and Walker. Um, and I got Paul. I got Paul George, uh, Jordan Clarkson as a value pick because they're just he's going to have to play a lot of minutes with Mike Conley out. Jalen Brown, Tobias Harris. Porzingis, Michael Porter Jr., and Jokic. Yeah, so I went with Kemba Walker and Shake Milton like you did, and then I went with Donovan Mitchell um, just because, I mean, in these things, it's you got to take the guys that can really heat up. Um, Lou Williams, same thing. Kawhi Leonard, I think I think he's going to put on a show. Uh, Pascal Siakam, who that's a player I'm really interested in. I almost to picked see. him. He, I almost picked him. He's a player I think by the end of the playoffs we're like, whoa, he's he's way better than I thought. I mean, we know he's good, but is he a top 20 player in the league? I think he might be knocking on the door by the end of these playoffs. Then I went with Jeremy Grant just because I love him, former Sixer, trust the process. I went with Michael Porter Jr. and I've got Embiid because, like I said, if the Sixers are going to win that series, he's going to be he's going to have to put up every possible number he can. So that was my big money yeah, was that's Embiid, fair. That's fair. Embiid and Leonard. Yeah, Siakam was a, a last second scratch for me because I I I wanted someone from the Mavs and had enough money to get Porzingis and he had thirty last time they played. I don't think they have anybody who can guard him, and I think him and Luca are going to get their stats. They're just going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so real quick, last thing we have uh, the biggest probably off the court news of the weekend, and I just want to hit this real quick. I don't know what your thoughts are. If you you'll probably you may agree with me here. Um, Two head coaches got fired, Jim Boylan from the Bulls. I'm not going to talk about him because the Bulls don't matter right now. Um, but Alvin Gentry, fired by the Pelicans. 
an, another one of these situations. It's similar to what I think is going to happen to Stotts. It was what I was worried about with Monty Williams. Um, unless the plan with David Griffin here is to go get, do what Memphis did and go get a guy like Taylor Jenkins, an unknown guy, an up and coming, a riser, um, a young assistant, somebody who you really think, if this is to go get Ty Lue, if this is to go get Jason Kidd, if this is to go get Mark Jackson, this is so stupid. Alvin Gentry took over in 15, in 2015, 16, he won 30 games. Within two years, they improved by 18 games. They went to the playoffs and won Anthony Davis's first playoff series of his career with Alvin Gentry as the head coach. Then they went through this whole shit show with Anthony Davis, not Gentry's fault. They get David Griffin in. Dell Demps couldn't build a roster to save his life around Anthony Davis. David Griffin comes in, salvages the franchise, puts together what looks like it's going to be a great roster in the future, gives Alvin Gentry one year. Without, without Zion, Zion's not even there, doesn't give him a chance. How do you know he's not the coach for you? He took a crap roster with Anthony Davis when DeMarcus Cousins got hurt, when he tore his Achilles, and they won a series. He, he, he's proven at least that he can do something. If you're not going to go out and get a guy and make some type of crazy hire, and you're just going to go get another retread, this is absurd here's my take and it's a hunch i don't have much to back it up but this looks like to me zion has the keys to the franchise and we're gonna make sure we can sign him long term at the end of this so maybe i'm not saying they butted heads with alvin gentry i'm just saying they're gonna get his coach in the door and make this guy so happy that he, he signs long term that, that's what i think zion I don't think Zion had any influence over this, what, even a little bit. I just okay. don't. I, the reason, and I'll say the reason why is I don't. Zion doesn't strike me as a butting heads kind of guy. Like he just doesn't. Not yet, at least in his career. He seems like of all the stars of all these like gigantic stars that have come into the league, he seems like the most humble that I've ever seen. That's at least at this at point in his career, it doesn't really make sense. I'm with you. It does. It just doesn't right. make any sense. No, so it, it, I happened? don't know. I think David Griffin, from what I can tell, I think he just wants everything to be his. It's his franchise, and and Alvin was not his coach. He didn't hire Alvin. So Is that fair? That happens, dude. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's fair or not. It's right. just kind of the way it is. They gave David Griffin control of the franchise, and now they he's going to go get his coach. I, I tweeted it. I think Ty, Ty Lu was probably dancing and celebrating when he saw this happen because I feel like he's got to be the frontrunner. I think that would be a great fit, honestly. I, mean, I think it's stupid. I like Ty I mean, it's, I'm sh it's fine, but it's like, right. uh, it's just, yes, Ty Lue won a championship. He won it with LeBron. So, hey, you know, that wasn't developing a young roster. That was a pretty old roster, in fact. Like, that's, Ty Lue has no track record of, he has a track record as an assistant coach, probably, of developing young guys, but not as a head coach. So, mm -hmm. if the whole thing that David Griffin is saying, we want to go out and get a coach that can develop these young guys and build this young team, Tyloo, Jason Kidd, who are the two guys that I've seen as like early rumors, they don't have track records of building anything with anybody. So I don't know. I, I just I, it made no sense to me. I wish they would have given him at least another year with That's a full, yeah. full healthy year of Zion Williamson just to see what they can do. Um, but hey, that's just how the league is, I guess. Yeah. You know. All right, dude. Hey, this was uh, 
Got one in the can here. Not only fun, but but a success. I think a, a huge what? success. I, I think we're. I think I think we're taking off. I think we're. <laughs> I think we are the biggest morning, daily morning NBA podcast in the world at this point. Okay. Um, and if you guys think so too, which I know you do, mm-hmm. go to Apple, rate us, review us, leave us a little message, tell us what you think. Only if it's good though. If it's bad. We don't want to hear from you, you dorks. Roy's just got like sultry. Those guys didn't talk like that. Yeah, you, yeah, you dorks. Um, get you going. These Apple reviews get you going. Oh, the Apple reviews get me real torqued up. Um, yeah, but they really do because you right. know that's how we pay the bills. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're gonna recap all of tonight's games and we'll preview tomorrow's games. I keep saying tonight's games, and we'll uh, preview tomorrow's games that will be happening throughout the day. Uh, so that's it. That's it. That's that's episode one in the can. We'll see you tomorrow. In the can. Do south. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>